So welcome, everybody, to another edition of Beyond the Cover. I am one of your hosts, John Robb, joined here by my wonderful co-host, Jeff Ayers. Jeff, how you doing? Doing great. Hope you're having a fun evening so far. We're not doing too bad. Hopefully we're going to start getting some good news about our lockdown under virus law. And we have a very, very exciting guest for you today coming up. He is none other than USA Today bestselling author Brett Battles. He is going to be talking to us about his book two of his Nightman Chronicle series called Insidious, along with his Jonathan Quinn series, which is where we first met Brett back in like 2008, I think we figured out off the air with his book Deceived Jonathan Quinn. So it's going to be nice to have uh, Brett back on the show. I want to remind all of you that all of our shows are brought to you by Suspense Magazine, so please visit suspensemagazine.com for more information, and Kensington Books, so visit kensingtonbooks.com for more information on their works. So you ready, Jeff? I am. I'm excited. Let's, let's kick this off. So without any further ado, let's bring our friend Brett back to the show. Brett, man, how you doing? It's been too long. It has been a long time. I'm doing well. Great to hear you guys' voices again. Yes. So nice. So nice to talk to another Southern California author, too. Absolutely. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just stuck up there hey in now. Seattle. Calm down. Calm down. Just got some good authors up there in Seattle, Boyd Morrison, Kevin O'Brien, Terry Brooks, just to name three off the top of my head. So he's not there hurting. Go. There you go. I know. Or yeah, down. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just say, yeah, so we got, we got West Coast flavor here tonight. Um, there you go. So, yeah, Brett, I mean, it's been a while since we've talked to you, and your career has just gone really, really well, uh, and it's been mostly on the independent author circuit, so we want to get a li- to a little bit of that later. But first... Why don't you tell us a little bit about Insidious, and this is, again, book two in your Nightman Chronicle, so outside of the Jonathan Quinn area. That's right. Well, it it is and it isn't, because uh, the Nightman Chronicles are, um, uh, the the star of the Nightman Chronicles is Quinn's apprentice and partner from the Quinn series, Nate. And this is uh, what basically uh, little hobby projects Nate picks up in between doing jobs with Quinn. So he's still in the Quinn series, but he's now doing this kind of, I guess you would almost call it vigilante work when he doesn't have anything else to do because he's got the talent and there are people who need help. And, and he, he, you know, he goes out and does it. And the, the books are all told from his point of view. So you're really getting into his thoughts and he's got, he's a little bit more, um, uh, humorous than Quinn. Not that Quinn isn't humorous, but Quinn's a lot more serious. But Nate doesn't always take himself seriously, uh, and you know, and you're, and so it's a lot of fun, a lot of times, and and it's uh, you know a lot of you know using the skills that he's learned in the world of of espionage to deal with people who are taking advantage of other people just in our regular lives. So it's you know it's 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 great. It's a lot of fun for me to write. I love writing these books. Uh, and one of the big um, uh, things within the uh, Nightman series so far, anyway, is um, and this is a little bit of a spoiler to the Quinn series, uh, but um, uh, Nate's girlfriend in the Quinn series was Quinn's sister, um, uh, Liz, but. I don't know how many books back now, four or five books back, um, she got killed while, it was, while everyone was on a job. And he's been haunted by this. And now he's actually 
kind of haunted by her. I mean, he thinks it's probably his subconscious, but he hears his subconscious in her voice, and she's urging him to do these these things. And it's not it's not laced throughout the whole book, but just every once in a while she'll make an appearance, and and you know, and he feels this uh, because uh, you know he still has strong feelings about her because book uh, time wise, it's only been well in the first book, Nightman, it's only been about nine months since she passed. And in, in Insidious, it's been about a year. And um, uh, so, you know, he still has a lot of feelings there. And so he, it's hard for him to ignore when she tells him that, hey, maybe you should look at this kind of thing, you know. So, so that's an, another interesting aspect of it. Um, so he has this subconscious that's talking to him in his dead girlfriend's voice. And um, uh, in, in Insidious, um, what what happens is he stumbles across a dead body when he goes out for a hike. That um, there is a lot more to this uh, dead woman than um, uh, is first than it first appears. And uh, with the help of his other colleague from uh, the Quinn series, Jar, who is, who has come in in the last five books, um, uh, two. She, she, she and him have kind of a, there, there is a growing something between them. We're still not quite sure what, uh, but she is, she is, uh, she's, she's on the autism scale to a certain extent. Um, uh, but she's super whip smart. She's really trying hard to understand everything. And she, and she's very capable, but a lot of things still annoy her about interactions with people. So that's kind of fun. And um, and she's totally my favorite character that I'm writing these days. And they they together are, are the ones that are looking into this uh, this death. And as the bodies pile up, they realize that the the real truth behind what's going on is a lot more dastardly than uh, anyone could have ever thought. That's basically insidious. Well, I, I do have to ask. Um, this is sort of like a little two-part question, and I apologize. Um, but John knows I love to ask these type things. <laughs> Could you talk to me about um, the blending of genres that you write in here, especially with mm-hmm. Nightman? Uh, sounds like you have elements of supernatural with the latest one. Well, and also, I, what is it with the nicknames? With, you mean the nicknames, like what, like Jar? Oh, and like Nightman, like, you got uh, Cleaner, oh, like, you got... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, the cleaner is is kind of the job title of Quint. Right. That's that's what he's known as in the business. Correct. Because his job yes. is to get rid of the bodies. So he is a cleaner. That is like that is like saying you're an assassin. You're a bagman. You're a cleaner. You're a uh, you know right. you're a, a, a messenger or whatever. So that's that. <laughs> Nightman is kind and of. And he's a, very good uh, at it. Yeah, he's very good, and, and Nate is now very good at it too because he's been doing it for like ten years with Quinn almost at this point. Right. Um, okay, cool. Uh, Nightman actually comes from the very first book when um, there was this. Uh, uh, he, uh, Nate was doing something at night and and almost got caught. So this town thinks that there's this night prowl, prowler out and about, and they headline in the newspaper said something about Nightman on the loose or something. I can't remember exactly. Uh, I wrote that book like a year and a half ago, so I don't remember exactly what it was, but something like that. And so uh, Jar has kiddingly called him Nightman since then. And so that's how it got that title. 
for, for Nightman. And it's actually not even mentioned in Insidious at all. Uh, but it's, but it's just, you know, it's the Nightman Chronicle. So, um, you know, it, it'll be it. in and out mentioning. It's just kind of a background thing. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. And, and the super, and the uh, blending of genres? The bl- oh, right. The blending of genres. Yeah, Jeff ain't going to let you get away without answering both parts. Right. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> we try. Well, I love to blend genres. I mean, I do a lot of, I mean, I write sci-fi too. And when I write sci-fi, there are definitely thrillers, you know. Um, right. They're not, they're not just whatever sci-fi. They, I mean, you know, there are different types of sci-fi, but my type of sci-fi tends to be thrillers and more basically contemporary thriller sci-fi. Um, but uh, in this case, it's, it's, I would not characterize them, the Nightman books, as supernatural per se, because it is a real light touch, and there is every reason to, to believe that it's very possibly um, uh, Nate's subconscious and not really the ghost of his ex-girlfriend telling him what to do or what he's sensing. You know, he has some guilt with her death and everything. So, he, so a lot of that's played. But it's an open question. So I don't, I don't go heavy into that. You know, it's a thriller. It's, and, and a vigilante-type thriller, I guess, is what you would call it, with a, with a sprinkle of, of, of potential supernatural in it, but maybe not. Does that clear anything up? <laughs> no, that's good. Okay. <laughs> there you go, Jeff. You ask it, man. You get you get what you get. No, this is I great. do what I have Absolutely. to do. Hey. Well, you know, speaking of Quinn, you you got fourteen books in the series, and the series back you know started in two thousand eight. So if anyone does the math, people know that you well, write more than two thousand seven with the cleaner. That was. 2007 was, okay, so, so still, yeah. so 13 years. But, I mean, even if you do the math, you know that you're writing more than, than one book a year. So how, how's kind of your writing process go? I mean, are you doing like two to three now a year or, or what? Oh, yeah, well, um, so in my first, from, from 2007 till 2010, end of 2010, basically, uh, I was with Random House, traditionally published, and and then um, we parted ways because that was when everything was going crazy in the publishing industry and uh, the people who were my supporters at uh, uh, Bantam Dell at that point had left. And so nobody was there was anybody who had brought me in there. And so it was understandable on their part that, you know, here's somebody that we didn't bring in and we don't need to keep him. It's, it kind of sounds like a sports team, right, where they hire a yeah, new GM exactly. and then the GM fires the coach because it wasn't his guy. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, and these things happen. You get, you get it. I get it. But at, at that point, I had to figure out what I wanted to do next. And, um, uh, you know, I was potentially, you know, looking for another publisher, but there's no way I was going to be able to take Quinn to another publisher because very seldom do they want to pick up a series that would be on the book five of the series. And um, uh, so I, I, I started writing some stuff something uh, to, to try to send out to uh, uh, agents. But at the same time, I had some, some friends. I had uh, uh, Blake Crouch and Joe Conrath and, uh, and Barry Eisler who were all starting to do some test the waters with the, with the self-publishing at that point, uh, or the independent publishing through the Kindle and everything, now that that had opened up. And I said, I really kind of want to try this. So I actually wrote two books. 
And um, I, my plan was to, while we're shopping one, I'll try the other on, uh, uh, you know, on Kindle, see how that does. I ended up, in the end, I ended up putting them both on Kindle and um, not even uh, looking for an agent. I mean, I, I mean, not an agent. I have an agent. And she agreed with me when we talked about everything like this. And instead of looking for a new publisher, I just started going into, into the self-publishing. And for the first several years, I was actually putting out like four books a year. And that was probably through 2015 maybe. And then uh, 2015, maybe 2016. Since then, I'm more of like three books a year Right. I, I do. Okay. Um, but it's, it's my job. So it's like yeah. I'm working every day except for during this stupid pandemic. I mean, not that, the, I mean, well, the pandemic is stupid, but it's just, I get you. My mind, it's, making, it's making it very hard to write. And even though I work <clears> at home and it's like nothing has changed for me, it's like, it's just I'm very distracted by everything. So I've slowed way down. I should, be able, right. I should be halfway through the new Quinn book and I'm barely into the first chapter. So, um, huh. uh, you know, that th- this year is going to be interesting to see where I come out at the end. Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is. We're all dealing with it in our own way. Um, uh, but, yeah, so it's about three books a year is what I do. Yeah. Basically. Well, and, you know, so you started touching on it a little bit because you huh. did have a couple books that came out with Amazon later. But you're – I did later. Yeah. yeah, but you're you're fully independent author at this point. So, well, how yeah, are I you mean, able I, to? What? Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, so I was just wondering, like, so how are you able to, you know, navigate the waters going through um, right now as being pretty much a fully independent author? Well, I've been. I mean, technically, I've been independent <laughs> since 2011. Basically, that's when my first independent books came out. And okay. uh, if you look at the if you look at the two books I had through uh, Forty Seven North, which is the Amazon imprint, the first book of that that those are two books of a trilogy um, of my Rewinder trilogy. It's a, a time travel thrillers trilogy. The first mm-hmm. book, Rewinder, I actually let out. I I, I I I indie published it, but then they came to me and said, "Hey, we'd like to uh, put this on our on our imprint." And I said, "Okay," and then we'll take the second book. And so I did. Uh, I, I, I pulled it out of indie, and then they, they released it. And then, and then I wrote a second book for them, and then the last book of the trilogy is also indie published. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, so the, the, really the only book that I wrote specifically for another imprint was that second book of the trilogy. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other five books, uh, my very first five books that I published are all with Phantom Dell. And they're still with them, so I'm getting uh, uh, residuals and uh, or uh, what it, royalties on all that, um, mm-hmm. and, and and royalties on the um, stuff at uh, 47 North. And then the other stuff is just, you know, what you what the idea is uh, with in indie publishing. First of all, you got to write good books. So hopefully that's what I'm doing. And, um, yeah, you are. Like, seem to like what I, I write, so that helps. Uh, and, but you still have then, to find the audience, and I think that's the hard part. Yeah, but, well, find I, the audience. I mean, I, 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 I would be disingenuous to say that I didn't have some audience already from being um, 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 uh, traditionally published in the very beginning, um, back in 2007, 2008. Now, I don't know how many of those readers back then are still with me. I think, I think there is some, for sure. Um, 
but uh, 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 you know that helped carry me into uh, um, indie publishing, and then yeah. it just kind of uh, you know people found me, and the, more, the, the another big thing on indie publishing is a write the best books you can, and b get get as much as uh, take as much up of your digital uh, shelf space as you can. You know, put as put a lot of product, good product out there if you can do it. You know, some people can only write one book a year. Fine, then write one book a year because the more books you get out there, the better. I, it's so I, funny I, that you say what you're saying because me, Jeff, and John Land on our show were preaching, write the best book you can, yes, and that's how absolutely. you make it. And that's what you just said. That's number one. Because people, that's I mean, you know, one. someone might buy your shitty book first, and then they go, well, I'm not going to read any more. This was a waste of time. Exactly. You don't want a shitty book because a shitty book will – Keep, well, it, it, that doesn't sell your backlist. A good book sells your backlist, and that's what you want to do. And uh, you know, and then you want to, uh, you know, keep building your, your bookshelf. Uh, you know, your virtual bookshelf for people to choose things from. And mm-hmm. you know, lucky for me, I'm a fast writer. I was fast back when I was um, uh, traditionally published. I just instead of writing four books a year, which I, I wish now I had done, I had just kind of wrote my book, and then took a lot of time puddling around doing other whatever. I don't even know what I was doing. <laughs> Wasting a ton of time. Now, looking back, I, I, you know, I'm like, I want to give that guy, I want to grab him by the, the shirt and say, what are you doing? Get, get in front of your computer and write some more. But, um, uh, you know, I just kept that speed. And, and I have been slowing down over the last five years. Um, not quite the pace that I was going, but still a good pace, better than most, I think, um, uh, which is helpful to me. But, you know, we all go at our own pace. So, uh, no one should ever try to emulate somebody else's speed. You, you go with the speed that you're good at or that, that, that suits you for getting out excellent work. That's, that's the key. Um, I'm curious about marketing. Because you are trying to so write the best I. book you can. <laughs> uh, and so first question I had is, what are you doing for marketing to get new readers? And right. um, I know that libraries are now especially wanting to go more the dig- digital route right. with books to check out to their folks. Yeah. Yeah. And do yeah. you have access to that market? Well, there are ways to get to um, the uh, we'll take the last part first to the libraries through um, uh, different services um, and uh, I can't remember there's a what the library specific service overdrive but, like overdrive yeah I think oh yeah overdrive 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 and uh, you can get to overdrive through uh, a, a, a website called draft to digital which will also get you on a whole bunch of different platforms if you want to do that. Um, I do a little bit of that. Most of my books are exclusive to Amazon um, only because I find for me, when I went wide, I, I was making piddly on anywhere else but Amazon. And yep, when I, I agree. Amazon, and now Kindle Unlimited is wonderful. Yeah. Well, I've had Kindle, I mean, you know, Kindle Unlimited has been there, what, for five years at least now. Yeah. And that's made a huge difference for me. I just, I, I, I want to go wide, but I'm never going to make the kind of money I make right now by going exclusive. But the option is always there for me. So, um, so 
Well, heck, you could be like 60-40 sales to Kindle Unlimited, or sometimes the reverse, right. depending on yeah. if you get a Absolutely. book bob and people see it, I mean, and you never know. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, now, as far as marketing itself, I mean, up until like 2016, you really didn't have to do anything. I mean, I, I, I would do a book bub like every once or twice a year. And, and people, I it was just, you know, I just put out material and that's all I needed to do that. And, well, in newsletters to keep up with your fans and everything. But it would just go. Since then, I mean, it's, it's gotten a little bit more where you need to, I, I mean, it, if you can do ads, it will help. Um, uh, like Facebook ads or Amazon ads. I have no, I'm not really good at all that stuff. I do a little bit of that. Uh, I honestly, I could be making a, a ton more money. I mean, it, if you know, if I look at some of the people who are making a lot of money um, with ad, by using by being aggressive with their ad campaigns for like Amazon or Facebook or whatnot, and the amount of back their backlist and the quality of their work compared to, to my backlist and the quality of my work, um, uh, there's no question I could probably may, be making two or three times more money than I'm making right now. I just, wow. I don't have the head for that stuff. And, um, and, and there takes a, 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 a certain amount of, of upfront capital to make it happen. And while I could do that, I'm worried about losing it all because I don't know my, you know, I don't know what I'm doing well enough. I've had people help me to a little bit before. I did. I, I feel like someday I'm going to get into partnership with somebody I trust who can help me with this stuff. And I haven't quite got there yet. But yeah. that said, I still make a good, I st- you know, I've been full-time writing now since 2008. And mm-hmm. I've made more in all the years that I've been self-published than I ever did when I was traditionally published. Well, here's, so, the, here's um, the question. Here's the question. Yeah. You put food on the table and your 100% mm-hmm. job is writing. For 12 years now, yeah. Yeah, then you're successful. That, 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 that's what it is. Yeah. That's what oh, yeah. every author that goes to Thriller Fest, 95% of those authors want to be where you're at, and that's their only right. job. That's all they want to do. Right. Now, it, 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 I, I, I can't, I'm not sitting back and enjoying it. I mean, I enjoy it to a certain extent, but I'm working every day. I'm writing. Right. I'm always writing. That's why I'm doing three books a year, you know? I, but, I, you know, I, I think what have... it is is that but, but, but you're independent, and yeah. you're your own boss, and it's your own yeah. freedom, and it's your own time. So you have to be very, very much a self-disciplined person to be able to yeah. do that, too. Yeah, that is a huge thing. You have to be self-disciplined. You have to cre- uh, treat it like a job in a good sense. But, uh, you know, treat it by, like a job. But even then, you're still going to – I mean, I'm not going to lie. I have a lot more free time than I had when I had a full-time job before. Um, and, I, and I take more trips. I, you know, I can, I can schedule several weeks off if I need to for something. But it just means that there's going to be parts of the year where I'm working – you know, I may not take a weekend off for a whole month. Um, but I can do that. I'm at home, you know, I, and I can get my writing done in the morning before noon and still go out and play if I need to, but, or take a nap, which is probably more likely. <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, it, it's, it's a job and you just, and, and you just got to put the dedication to it. Even when, even before I could write full time, I, I treated it as a job. I had a full time job and I, uh, before I even sold my book, I, I would uh, work. I would get up early 
I'd work for an hour or so before I went to work. Um, I, and I, I actually, at that time, I made sure I was living close to where I worked. So I only had to walk to work. And this was in Los Angeles, which is very rare. And, and, but that saved me a ton of, of travel time. And I could work, go to the work afterwards, and then after work, then go hit a coffee shop or something for another hour if, if need be. Or you just carve out whatever time. I mean, you may have young kids. You can't do all of that, but you can carve out a little time somewhere. But you have to play it like it's a job, and you've got you to gotta just dedicate yourself to, to, to doing that. And then I sold the book, and I had to write another book. And, and I had my full-time job still. And so I, I dedicated time to do it every single day that I, I just had to do it. This is what I need to do because my goal is to eventually do this full-time. You know, whether I, that was going to be uh, obtained or not was still too early to know at that point. Right. If you um, have two jobs, you know, it's not like you have a lot of yeah. free weekends. I mean, let's face yeah, it. No, yeah. And, and, and I, you know, I didn't know if I'd actually be able to ever be a full-time writer, but that was my goal. And the only way that I was going to achieve that was if I put everything I could into it. And it worked my ass off on it. And then I became a full-time writer, and, and then things went crazy within publishing because of the, all the bankruptcy, you know, the 2008. I quit, I quit my full-time job one week before Lehman Brothers went under. So that's when the big financial crunch started, one week after I quit my job to go full-time writing. And, and so the Insider. next years were no. a little tough. Yeah. The next two years were a little tough. And all of a sudden, here comes the cleaner. Yeah, but then, you know, come 2010, you know, we, we parted ways, and I'm like, I, I'm like going, oh, my God, am I going to – do I have to go back and get a desk job again? Because that is, like, my worst nightmare. And so I worked my ass off again, and, and I made that work. I actually got to a point that one year where it was going to be touch and go whether that – coming October, I was going to be able to make rent. But I knew from the way things were going that November, I was going to be, things were actually starting on the, on the trajectory in the, in the correct direction. And I just had to make it through that October. And this was like in July, I realized it, you know, and, and I did. And, and so, and things have been going fine, pretty much fine since then. But I haven't stopped. I, I don't just sit back on the, and go, wow, oh, I'm all done here now. I work my ass off every year to, to, to be able to maintain uh, this, to be able to tell stories, because I, there's nothing I love more than doing this. I, writing is my superpower. I may not be good at it or not, but it is the best thing that I can do. It is, my, uh, it, it is what I am a natural at of all the choices I have that I could be natural at. Now, that doesn't mean I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say I'm better than anyone else. I'm just saying if you, if, if, you know, we, for all of us, we have all these choices in front of us. One of these is going to be the thing that we're better at than other things. Now, when you compare it to somebody else who has that same thing, you know, who knows where you rank with them. But writing is, my, is the thing that I'm better at than any of the other possible jobs I, 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 could, I could do. And so... I, I didn't want to do anything else. And being my own boss is, you know, glorious. And, but I have to work my ass off to maintain that, you know? Nice. Nice. Well, Brett, um, I'm curious because I see mm-hmm. some authors using this platform, the independent publishing, 
And their books are priced, let's just say, n- not cheaply. You you could do better, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, elsewhere. Right. Um, what do you right. find is the best price point for yourself? Well, I, um, I all of my books, my new books when they come out, are five ninety nine for ebook, which okay. seems to me to me that's a reasonable price. That's a good sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a. Um, it's a, it's what the old paperbacks used to cost. Now those even yeah. cost like eight ninety nine or whatever. Yeah, and if you can find um, them. If you can find them, and so it's you know it's a it's a cup of coffee, and a tip, or something you know, and yeah. and, and I think it, and it seems to be fine. I've actually been toying with the idea of going to six ninety nine, which still seems kind of low. To, I mean, it seems like it's not so bad, but I'm I haven't got there yet. For, year, for the first few years, I was more at like three ninety nine, but then I moved up to four ninety nine, and then five ninety nine. Um, uh, but uh, and I hadn't really seen much of a change every time I moved up. But I also think it helps if you have a lot of product and a lot of quality product that can be seen in the reviews that you have for your books. And you know, all my books almost universally are all you know above four stars. Um, you know, uh, whatever the rankings. I, I don't know of any of them that are below, but they're, they're more like 4.5, 4.3 to 4.8 or something in there, you know, which is, you know, when, when readers see that and they see that consistently over your work, they can trust that what they're going to get is probably something of quality. Um, whether they like the story or not, that's a whole other thing. But, um, you know, I, 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 you know, work really hard to, to, to maintain that, and um, actually, now I've lost my train of thought of where I was going with that. But <laughs> that's okay. Well, a- but, actually, uh, um, Brett. Yeah. Um, actually, Brett, yeah. I was going to say um, I need to leave. You guys keep the conversation oh. going, and thank yeah. you. It was Fair a enough. thrill. All right. Oh, I'm all right, Jeff. To talk to you. Bye, Jeff. Yeah, he's he had to run real fast. So, well, there's something I kind of want to get off just a little topic because I was, you know. I'm on your website, and it's brettbattles.com for everybody. And I was kind of reading, and one of the places that you go or that you've been to is a place that we are moving to here very shortly. Um, Shay and I are moving out of the country, and we're going to be moving very close to because we are practicing Buddhists. And you've been to Angkor Wat. So I wanted to hear your experience with Angkor Wat. Are you moving to uh, uh, Cambodia? We're we're looking to move to Cambodia, maybe Sem Reap because we love Sem Reap, uh-huh. yeah, or Reap, possibly fair. Chiang Mai or Phuket. Yes. Uh, what well, Phuket is? Yeah, Chiang Mai is nice. Chiang Mai, yeah. I would, I would, I would, I would. You're gonna, it's gonna be cheaper in Chiang Mai. It and, is, uh, and a lot more um, uh, built-in um, 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 expat community there. And there is and Phuket. Phuket is just a. I mean, you've been there, I'm sure, but it's it's a. Yeah, we were there. Now. We were actually there two years. Uh, February was two yeah. years. We went two years ago. Yeah. yeah. It's a tourist madhouse and and um, an expensive island, and the prices are jacked. I mean, you know, it is. And you know what? You know. And the thing about living in like Chiang Mai, you're talking about 450 bucks for a two bedroom apartment that's furnished. Right. And right. you can, you're, and their public transportation takes you anywhere you want to go. I mean, you have everything that you want to right. do. The little red, yeah. the little red car takes you everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, exactly it. Uh, and you I can fly from Chiang Mai to Phuket round trip for a hundred bucks. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And you can you stay can down there for, life. you know, you can stay in a B&B or, you know, an Airbnb down there for, you know, mm-hmm. 50 bucks a night and just make it like a little week, stay at the right. beach and then and go if back. You, if, and if you want, if, you know, if you want to, if you're looking for temples, you know, Chiang Mai has like a hundred oh. Just in that town area, right? So. Well, 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 yeah, the forbid the the old town, but old we were town, there, yeah, and exactly. so we went around the old town, and we went through the Sunday yeah. night bazaar that they had in Chiang Mai. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and then we uh, then we were going to go one place, and we were going to go to Chiang Rai, but we were I we were up Chiang late. Rai. I was there last December. <clears throat> Chiang well, Rai. Both of them, actually. I was in okay, so we were going to go to yeah. Chiang Rai, and yeah. we had stayed up late the night before, and we had to get on a bus at like 6 a.m., and we were just too tired. <laughs> so we just right. skipped Chiang Rai, so we missed the Ivory Temple that we really wanted to go see. <laughs> Pretty you know, the white, the white temple. It is oh, I bet. Well, and so there. we the ended up going. The Black Temple. So. Oh, yeah, I wanted to, and so, but we ended up going to Dewey Sotep, which is at the top of the uh-huh. mountain yeah. in Chiang Mai. Yeah. So Did that you was that. Stairs? We, oh, Did yeah, you we walked all thousand of the Naga okay. stairs. Okay, good. Oh, yeah. Good. Oh, yeah. Good. That was, that was pretty cool. Um, did it nonstop. We went up the whole way without nice. stopping. Nice. Um, I will say one thing. I ended up getting this microfiber towel that I carried with me the entire time. Man, that was a <laughs> life saver. Nice, yes. Well, that you, was you a life sweaty. Yeah. So, how was your Angkor Wat experience? Uh, and, I, it, and now, are are you Buddhist in any way, or are you just like going I, to those areas? I, I'm not. I just like. I mean, that, I, I, there's parts of it that definitely appeal, but uh, uh-huh. uh, I, so I'm, I'll say I'm non-committal. How about that? Uh, sure. It's uh, it's uh, Angkor Wat is just. I wasn't there long enough. I was only. They're basically three days and really only one day in the park. Um, and what you really need to do is go for, uh, you know, four or five days or yes. a week and go to the so park. So you're only there one day, too. See, we had, when yeah. we went, we, we, our Airbnb host set up our guide. So we did the sunrise. Right. So we were there, like, he picked us up, like, mm-hmm. 4.30 in the morning. We went and did the sunrise. And by the time it hit, like, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, we were done. So we saw, right. so we saw the main anchor watt work, you know, because we walked right. in. He guided us, so we walked in instead of driving in. So we walked in the back right. way. Um, so when we got into the, so we didn't walk through the gate to the front. We walked up through the back way. So when we got right. around the ponds, the people were coming on the other side. They were coming down the other right. side, and we had come up the back. But then, then we saw Tomb Raider. Right. Yes. And yeah. then we saw Bahrain with the faces. And so those are the right. three places. Uh-huh. And then we went to one yeah. other place that I can't remember what it was, but it was right. just like on the way, and we stopped there. And then we stopped and had lunch, and we were the only people in this wonderful restaurant where the monks come up and ask for their offerings every day. So they go right. and they give them the rice and their bowls. And so that right. was kind of cool right. to see that, yeah. Yeah, I that- – I, I definitely, I mean, uh, Angkor Wat. But then we—that's why we life. said, "Yep, you need four days to see it all." Yeah, you need you need at least four days, and and even then, I would take a few more, and then just do half days every time you go in because you get it's so tiring with all the yeah. heat and everything. So, I mean, and yeah, our yeah, guide. I mean, and our guide for, and you can get a guide that's English speaking, mm-hmm. your own car, yep. driver, mm-hmm. air conditioning, the whole nine yards. And if you didn't only do the sunrise like we did, it would only going to cost you 50 bucks for the whole day. Yeah, yeah. If and they take you sometimes. everywhere. 
I mean, they, yeah. and they're like, don't buy the books from the children, don't buy the people here, but, you know, they tell you things. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I, I have nothing but good things to say about it. Yeah, yeah. So you were just in Thailand last year then, huh? Uh, yeah, in uh, uh, end of uh, November into December. I was in Isan and then went to Chiang Mai, Chiang Rai, went clear up to the Golden Triangle uh, um, and the border with uh, Laos and, and uh, Myanmar. And, wow. Uh, and then went to Bangkok for a few days at the end. Yeah. Okay, yeah. We went, when we did our trip, we went into Bangkok, Reap, Chiang Mai, and Phuket. So we did those four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you're going to go to another island, uh, um, Samui is nice. I'd also suggest Koh Chang way down on the, uh, what is it, the east side. Um, it's, uh, so it's, in the Gulf of it's Thailand. More, it's getting more popular, but it's, um, yeah, it's in the Gulf. Um, but it, so, so is Samui. Samui is on the Gulf, but it's on the west okay. side. Um, uh, but uh, it's uh, Chang, uh, Chang's getting more popular, but it's still, or at least when I was there, it was probably five years ago now, I think. I don't even cool. remember how long ago it was. But uh, it's, uh, it was really nice. I liked it a lot better than, um, than Phuket. Phuket is just too commercialized for me, I think. Really I mean, not that the, you're not going to, you're going to find that everywhere, but it, it, it's, it, there didn't really seem to be much nature left on, on Phuket. No, there was just the big Buddha on the hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was right in the middle of town, so. You know. Yeah, but I, I, I see what you mean. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like a beach yeah. town, and it is very touristy, and you have yeah, a lot of people it, always trying to get you, yeah. you know, boat tours here, boat tours there, you see right. them everywhere. Right. The one yeah. thing that, the, and the one thing that you noticed in a tourist town, you can get any kind of food you want. So it's not like well, people have to worry about the food. You can find no. barbecue joints, steakhouses. They got seafood. Mm-hmm. I mean, anything you want, Mexican food, Italian food, and it all tastes very, very good. You know, right. well, it's not just Thai food. I mean, not, not that we've now suddenly uh, transitioned into a, a Thailand uh, travel uh, documentary here. but uh, I know. But any, 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 any town you go to that has any kind of uh, foreigner population or, or any tourist draw at all, you're going to find plenty of restaurants that appeal to you, yeah. whether you want the Thai food or you want Western food or anything. It's, right. That's never going to be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a little more difficult in Japan. We've been there a couple times. Yeah. And it's a little more difficult to find that kind of food done well. I mean, yeah. but other than that, I mean, Thailand and Cambodia, there was like no problem. Sam Reap, even for a small, smaller city like that, we, weren't, we haven't yeah. even been to Phnom Penh. So, yeah, so. Yeah. Well, Brett, man, it's always great to catch up with you. It's been so long. We've got to not do this uh, so long next time. Yeah, it take, take quite as long a break next time. You know, hey, but, you know, we're in publishing now, uh, so if you ever have an idea or something and you want to maybe send it uh, to a publisher, you can send my way, so just to let you know. All right. I'll, I'll keep that uh, We've got a good anthology coming out with Jeffrey Deaver in November oh, uh, of short stories, so that's going to be wow. a good one. Yeah. Great. Yeah, yeah. So we got Jeffrey Deaver with Heather Graham and John Lesquois, Linwood Barclay. So we got some good, and we got a good, uh, it's called Nothing Good Happens After Midnight. So that's coming out in November. Nice. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, So. Awesome. But man, your book, again, so the book is called Insidious. It's the second in the Nightman Chronicles, but of course I'm sure Jonathan Quinn is around the corner again. Uh, I can't imagine you're going to wait too long. Yeah, that's what I'm working on right now. Probably October yeah. we're looking at. So I was hoping nice. earlier, but I 
got a little delayed. So. <laughs> yeah, but again, you're still looking at probably every six months. Maybe you're, oh, I, you're always going to see a Brett Battles book. Months. I try to do every four months, but sometimes yeah. it's a little longer. Yeah, right. But that's man, that's cranking. <laughs> that is cranking. Your editor must be like, dude, can you have a break? <laughs> hey, you know what? I keep my editor. Uh, my editor. That's true. You keep food on that table. <laughs> She's great. All right, man. So well, again, so BrettBattles.com is the best place for everyone to find out all your contact information. You have all your social media put up there, so Facebook and Twitter uh, is a good place. And, again, Insidious book is out now, um, and by the time you hear this show, he's going to have two more out. So, Brett, it's always a pleasure, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate you, it. Thanks for having me. You stay me. safe, and we'll talk soon. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.